0: Hey, good, morning. good morning. Good to see you this morning. About three years ago, almost three years ago exactly today, uh, the Barna Group, if you don't know Barna, they study Christians in America and that kind of stuff. They published a titles, uh, a study titled Almost half of practicing Christian millennials say evangelism is wrong. And Gen Gen Xers were right next with about a third of them agreeing. So interestingly, 96% said, part of my faith means being a witness about Jesus. And 94% of them said, the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to come to know Jesus. And yet, 47% said, it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith and hopes they will one day share the same faith. So my question is, why the disconnect, right? Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Uh, But yet, you know, it's wrong for me to share that with you. Are there any millennials here that could come up here and explain to us what's going on? Well, David Kinnaman, the president of Barna, he explains it this way. Cultivating deep, steady, resilient Christian conviction is difficult in a world of you do you and don't criticize anyone's life choices and emotivism the feelings first priority that our culture makes a way of life. As much as ever, evangelism isn't just about saving the unsaved, but reminding ourselves that this stuff matters, that the Bible is trustworthy, and that Jesus changes everything. Now, today's gospel reading is about conversion, and it's about calling, and it's about evangelism. And Peter, I mean, Jesus is going to invite Peter and his friends to follow him. And he says, I will make you not just fishers of fish, but you will become fishers of men. Jesus evangelizes them to become evangelists. And before we get into it, I just want to say to you this morning that I get it that I get why evangelism for so many of us has come to represent something really nasty. Some of us have been on the really bad receiving end of some really bad evangelism. And if you're like me, you've also been the culprit (laughs) of some really bad ideas and practices around evangelism. In a place like Atlanta, where there is rightly an ever-growing awareness of the effects of colonialism, institutionalized racism, and all forms of ethnocentrism, it could easily seem that even the best attempts at evangelism are misguided. What we're naming here is a sentiment, of course, according to the study that is prevalent among millennials, but I would guess that in a city like Atlanta, this sentiment is probably prevalent across the spectrum of ages represented here. Many of us, understandably, are reluctant to share the good news of Jesus with our friends, our family, our neighbors, and our coworkers. And I get it. But I also want us to take a moment to note that Jesus is the chief evangelist. He is the original fisher of men. And he said that he came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for our lives. You see, he wasn't the end justifies the means kind of person, He walked around healing folks on the margins, restoring them to community and flourishing. And he also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And we can trust him. Because out of love, he died for us. And God raised him from the dead. So before we get into the text, I just want to give a little disclaimer about evangelism. One, I know it's complicated, but two, I just want to encourage us, we've got to be able to separate out the bad stuff that we have seen and experienced from the very good news of Jesus Christ that is supposed to be literally joy for all people. I just want to name that and we got to name it and be able to separate it. This morning, I want us to reflect on conversion and calling as we explore the calling of Simon in Luke 5. By the way, his name's Simon. Later on in the book, Jesus is gonna change his name to Peter. So you might notice that I'm calling him Peter. If you're not familiar with the text, uh, it's interchangeable, okay? Simon Peter. This morning, we have an opportunity to reflect and remember our own process of conversion and our own call narrative. And perhaps the Holy Spirit will remind us of certain things that we are called to do as well. So the story goes that Jesus is teaching and preaching alongside the Lake of Gennesaret, and a crowd starts to form, and they're kind of crowded to him, right? And you can imagine if he's teaching, and they're on kind of a level plane that it's hard for the folks in the back to see him. So he gets the bright idea. There's some uh, fishermen that are cleaning their nets, They've been fishing all night and now they're kind of cleaning up. They're done what they're done. And he says to Simon, he says this, he asked them if he can hop in the boat with him and then he gets in his boat and pushes out a little bit and then it's from there, from that lake that he begins to teach the people. Verse three says, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, asked him to put a little way out from the shore and then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. The first thing I want us to see relating to conversion is that Simon is willing to make a little space for Jesus, right? It's kind of a simple ask, but he actually said, Yes, I've got a little bit of space for Jesus. Now, Simon doesn't really know who Jesus is yet, right? But there is enough trust and there is enough openness that he is at least willing to hear what Jesus has to say he's willing to make a little space, in fact, for others to hear, right? Because he's actually making space for Jesus to preach so that others can hear what it is Jesus has to say. And so we'll notice that Simon has actually become a partner in ministry before he fully understands what Jesus's ministry is all about. I loved at our church in Los Angeles we had uh, someone who would ad- identify as a secular Jew. We had another friend who, who is a Muslim. And they were an integral part of our church. And they would often, often come more faithfully than, than our baptized members. And they would serve. They were running sound or they were taking pictures at baptisms. And it's possible to join in this kind of gospel ministry of Jesus without fully understanding what the gospel is, without even assenting. There's kind of space to partner with Jesus in ministry before we fully understand who he is. And so if you're here this morning, I just wanna remind you, if, if you're not exactly sure about Jesus yet, but you're still kind of showing up and you're here this morning, I just wanna affirm, like, you're in a good spot. And there's spot for you kind of in this space. You're actually, by being here, you're making space for Jesus in your life. You're making a little bit of time. And this is the kind of hospitality that Jesus is looking for. It's a kind of a good first step in a journey to exploring the faith. And then verse four says this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let down your nets for a catch. We see that Jesus calls Simon into deeper water. Waters. Jesus calls Simon into deeper waters It's an invitation into faith It's an invitation of trust He's inviting Simon into a place with Jesus That they've never been together before And as I read that I'm wondering if there could be some of us here this morning That Jesus is calling into a deeper place Maybe you've been comfortable in the boat with Jesus for a bit, but there's a deeper place to go with him. Well, what might going deeper look like for you? For Peter, the next step is actually a very small step of obedience, right? Just kind of to simply put out further and put those nets down. What would it look like for you to take a step to go deeper? Maybe it would be going deeper in the scriptures, spending more time in Bible study. Maybe it could be some conversations with someone that's a little bit further along in the faith or maybe somebody who has a faith that you admire that you want to learn from. It could be acts of service, acts of justice, some way to love your neighbors. Maybe it's reconciliation with a friend or a family member, even a longtime enemy. Maybe it's finding some fresh approaches to prayer. Maybe it's leaning into some new spiritual disciplines. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but we have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, it's interesting, right? This is is kind of the second encounter that Simon has with with Jesus. And notice that Simon isn't working for Jesus yet, right? Like, Simon's got a job. He's a fisherman. He's actually not even in the crowd when Jesus asks, can I get in your boat, right? Like, he's doing his work. But yet, Simon addresses Jesus as master. And it's a good moment just to stop and pause. Well, why might he already be at the place where he can call Jesus master? Well, if you remember last week, we were still in that sermon at Nazareth, right? And there's a little episode that happens between that episode in Nazareth where Jesus preached that sermon and this episode right here. And that is that Jesus, later in that chapter, chapter four, four, Jesus walks into the synagogue at Capernaum, this is Peter's hometown, And he's preaching as he does the good news. And in the middle of his preaching, uh, someone manifests an evil spirit. Starts yelling at Jesus. And then the crowd is really surprised to find out that Jesus has the power and authority to cast this evil spirit out of this person and sets this person free. And then after the service, Jesus does what all good Christians do. He's gotta find a place to go eat, right? Like he's gonna go eat at someone's house. So who's he gonna go eat at? Well, he goes to eat at Simon's house. And it turns out that when he enters Simon's house, he discovers that Simon's mother-in-law is laid up in bed. She's got a really bad fever. Things aren't going well. And then it's there that Simon realizes that Jesus not only has the power and authority to preach and to cast out evil spirits, but Jesus also has the authority to heal the sick. And so he stands over Peter's mother and he says, be healed. And she gets up. And right away, she starts waiting on them, right? Anybody know a mom or a grandma like this? It's like, you're just always serving people, loving on people through acts of service. Right away, she gets back to the thing that she loves to do. And so Peter has a little bit of history with Jesus. Simon calls Jesus master because he has seen Jesus' power and authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal the sick. But... Peter isn't convinced about Jesus's authority on things related to fishing. In fact, Simon thinks that Simon is a good authority on fishing because he's like, look, Jesus, I kind of do this every day, right? Anyone ever hear like that with Jesus? You're like, you know, I, Jesus, I trust you on like things like matters of eternal life and like loving my neighbor, that kind of stuff, Right? And that's good, and we've got this space that we trust you. But there's some other things maybe that you're just not up on, right? And so I kind of need to trust in another authority or some other stuff I read in this area of my life. And function, sometimes we relegate God to the stuff of religion or spirituality. And it's easy that we can fail to recognize him as Lord, the giver of life, the one who rules over all aspects of human life. And so Simon probably wants to explain to Jesus how this thing works. And so he's working with these nets that actually fish can see during the day. And so with this type of net, you fish at nighttime, and then the fish swim around, and they get caught in the net that they can't see so good when it's dark. And then of course, in the morning, you pull up the fish and you clean your nets, right? And that's kind of where the whole episode began. They had done that. The only thing is they had been fishing all night when you're supposed to catch fish and they had caught none. And so what Peter wants to tell Jesus is, look, the way this works is we put it out in the daylight. We didn't catch anything at night. We're definitely not gonna catch anything now. The fish can see the nets. He wants to say this. I wonder how it feels to be Peter in this moment. And as I reflect on his work, I wonder if Peter doesn't feel exhausted, and a little bit discouraged. Anyone here know the exhaustion of working really hard on something only to come up empty-handed? Feeling you have nothing to show for, for your long heart, your long hard work? I would guess Peter is tired. And yet, Peter is willing to step out in the small act of obedience. Peter says, yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. It's a small act of obedience. And I would say that if you spend enough time in proximity to Jesus, spend a little time in the boat with him, sooner or later, you'll have the opportunity to step out with a small step of obedience. It's often on the other side of these small steps that we experience breakthrough. And that's what happens in Peter's life this morning. Verse six says, when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. We can note that they have already seen Jesus do miracles, right? This isn't the first miracle they've seen Jesus do. But suddenly this particular miracle hits home, right? Like they aren't exorcists or doctors or preachers. What they do is fish. And so now Jesus has kind of showed up in their world and done something that really hits home for them. Jesus shows up and he breaks their framework. Literally, their boats are too small for what God is doing in their lives. Their box for God was too small. They didn't understand what was possible with Jesus in the boat? But suddenly, they'd realize. And so if this were you, if you were Peter, I want to wonder, how might you respond in this situation? Would you be excited about the miracle? Would you be excited about the money you're going to make with all those fish? Right? If this were Shark Tank, how would it go down? You guys know, been watching Shark Tank. It would be like, all right, Jesus, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give you 45% of the company, okay? All we need to do is come out here once a week, right? And we're going to handle like sales and distribution. We're going to do all that. You know, we're going to cut you in. It's going to be really great. Why not? I mean, this is what he does, right? Now he's got a buddy that's going to help him out. Well, how does Peter respond to the miracle? He goes somewhere else with it. He falls down on his knees and he says, go away from me, Lord. He's calling him Lord now. He switched from master to Lord, for I am a sinful man. This is the kind of thing that folks say in the Old Testament when they experience what's called a theophany. Suddenly God appears and manifests himself in some powerful way. Like in our reading in the prophet Isaiah this morning, that Andrew read for us. I almost said Isaiah, because we were talking about British people, which we like British people. What does Isaiah say? He says, woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, friends, this is the natural response for sinful people like me, and for people like you when we come and into an, a, a radical encounter with a God who is loving but also just and holy, and with whom we are unworthy to stand in his presence. You see, it turns out that recognizing the truth about who Jesus is results in us recognizing the truth about who we really are. In a sense, this revelation, this exposure of Jesus' character and who he is becomes a revelation for Peter. He's suddenly more aware about the nature of his character and his sins and where he stands with the Lord. Go away from me, he says, Lord, I am a sinful man. How could you, the Holy One of Israel, be standing in the boat with me? And how will Jesus respond? I mean, you guys... If you know a little bit about Peter, you know, he could be like, "You know what? You're right. <laughs> you're right, Peter. I should get away from you because you're unworthy. You're going to screw a lot of stuff up. You're a center fisherman and you've got a really big mouth, you know?" He could just be like totally, "Yes." But instead he says this. He says, "You know what? Don't be afraid. I got a job for you. From now on, you're going to be catching people." And the text says that at once they brought their boats ashore and left everything and followed him. Now what we see first here is a revelation of who Jesus is. He's not only the one that has power and authority of the word or power and authority over unclean spirits or power and authority over sickness. He also has power and authority to forgive sins. He is the one that will forgive sins, and he is also one that is a friend of sinners. He's a willing to associate with people like us and people like Peter. He has actually come to deal with sins, and so he's okay with it. Second, it's a reminder that Jesus calls himself, not Jesus calls us to himself himself, Not only for our own sakes, but for the sake of others. Jesus gives Peter a new task, catching people. Now, this phrase sounds kind of strange, and um, one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, notes that Luke is actually using an unusual word for catching. It's not the same word you would normally use for catching fish. Instead, you would use it for taking prisoners without killing them. Or instead of killing them, you might say. And N.T. And Wright says, Hence, also of restoring to life someone who is under the threat of death. Peter is not simply to fish for people, but to be God's agent in restoring people to life. Peter, like Isaiah, is the mouthpiece of the truth he has just learned and experienced Jesus calls the disciples with the intent of sending them out. They will be recipients of the good news so that they can give the good news away. My prayer for you this morning is that you would let Jesus in the boat, get some proximity to him and his work in the world. And may you hear his invitation to go deeper. And may you respond with a small step of faith, even if it is the reluctant faith of Peter. And may you have a deeper revelation of Christ as he is. And in doing so, may you have a deeper revelation of yourself as you truly are. That you might join him in his gospel ministry of restoring life to people of announcing healing and forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Amen.